0: You're listening to the Fresh Hell podcast. Fresh Hell contains stories of a disturbing and often graphic nature and is intended for a mature audience. Please don't let your kids listen to this, or they might turn out like us.
1: Hi there, I'm Regina King, You're Eva Queen, and that is my lovely partner. Hi, I'm Lynn Roskamp, your Docent of Darkness. And we're the host of Disturbing Interest because. Well, we have disturbing interest. Lynn, how many times have you killed a conversation and received a look with a fun fact that had to do with murder, mystery, or people sticking mummy dust into their mouths while painting? Is that why I've not been invited back to so many dinner parties? Could be. It's fine. If they can't handle me at my mummiest, then they don't deserve me at my yetiest. And they're just missing out. However, if you're out there thinking mummies... Mystery? Murder? Yeti? This sounds like my jam. Then you should give us a listen. That's right. Disturbing Interest is the Terrible Mysteries, Disturbing Histories podcast that you never knew you needed in your life. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Castbox, Stitcher, with a tin can and a piece of twine, or on pretty much any podcasting platform. Heck, dial us up on a Ouija board. We're not for the faint of heart, and I have a strong love for practicing the sailor's dictionary starting with the letter F, but we always try to leave you with something new on popular stories and bring to light things you've never heard of before. And you might even learn a thing or two. Because with us, you might be disturbed. But you're not alone.
0: Hi, I'm Annie from the U.S.
1: And I'm
2: Johanna from Austria, and you are listening to Fresh Hell, your favorite international podcast. And the promo you just heard in the beginning was from the two lovely ladies over at Disturbing Interest. Please go and give them a listen.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode. If you're new to us, then welcome. We are two friends who met online. Yes, while playing Mensch dich nicht. Yep, that's right. But so far, we haven't met in real life. It's going to happen one of these days. Mm -hmm. Someday. All right. I was going to start singing West Side Story, but I'm not going to. And if you're a regular listener, thank you very much for joining us and supporting us. Every time you listen to one of our episodes, you help us grow further. Every time you leave a rating or review, every time you recommend us to your friends or in your favorite podcasting group, we just really appreciate it so much. And as always, we would love to give a huge shout-out to our newest Patreon members, and they are... Erin Johnsrud, thank you very much, Erin. And Marquetta Crane, thank you very, very much. Thank you. We know we have been slacking a little bit on Patreon due to personal stuff,
2: but we both have ring lights now. I bought a better camera and Annie prepared a lovely recording space for herself. (laughs) You can expect our videos more regularly starting from September. Yeah. You've got a package arriving soon,
0: which will be fun. Yes, we're
2: going to do an unboxing next. Try those Kit Kats. One more thing before we start with today's episode. Thank you so much for voting for us in the podcast awards. We actually made it to the next round, which really took us by surprise. Uh, Anya and I, we didn't even check anymore because we were like, oh, we're gonna, gonna There's just no going to go to the next round. Yeah, we're, we're entered. It's <laughs> That's fine. just no way. That's fine. So, yeah, we are now one out of ten nominees in the two categories True Crime and Best Female hosted. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Like Johanna just said, we sincerely did not anticipate this situation. And it doesn't really matter if we get one of the awards. We're just honored to be nominated. No, but really, we... We feel like winners already, just because our listeners are the best listeners. In fact, they're the ones who told us they were like, hey, you made it to the next round. (laughs) We're like, we did? You guys, you're just the best. So now here's the part that's a little bit weird, though, because we can't ask everyone to just go vote for us. You only can vote if you voted in the first round. And then from the people who voted in that first round, I think they're choosing it's like 10,000 or 100,000 random people. And then you'll get an email invited to vote as a voter in the final tier. So if you do get an email from the podcast awards telling you you can vote, It's a legitimate thing, and it would mean so much to us and the other nominees if you would in fact vote. And again, you'll find us in True Crime and Female Hosted.
2: All right, I think that's all for now. If you want to know more about Patreon or our Facebook group, for example, please, as always, listen until the end, because that's when we'll tell you all about that. Now, this week, Annie has a story for us, a story I know the mere basic facts I'm super excited to learn more about it because this is
0: wild. It is. Yeah. So I also could not believe I'd never heard about this. And then, of course, I had to find out everything I could find about this. And so now I'm going to tell you about it. And I'm trying to think if there are any content warnings for the first part of this. I guess I would just say there's maybe a content warning for claustrophobia, Possibly. Or crime against children. Or, yeah, crimes against children, although there are no deaths. So I will tell you that right from this. You can kind of, you know. Okay. So all of this takes place... 45 years ago, in July 1976, in Chowchilla, California. That's located about 150 miles, or 241 kilometers south and east, inland from the San Francisco Bay Area. The closest city was Fresno, and that's about 40 minutes away.
2: Can I just say that I loved the name Chowchilla when (laughs) I first heard it? It sounds like an adorable animal, chow-chow, chinchilla mix, chow-chilla. I would
0: get one of those. So
2: cute. So cute. But... Then I read where the name comes from, and now I kind of see it in a very, very different light.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to pronounce this wrong, probably, but it's an anglicized version, I think, of a name that was used for some of the indigenous people of that area. I think they were a very fierce warrior tribe. I think it's more like Shao Shila, but the name translates to murderers for their fierceness in battle. So that's Little Hellion trivia for you. I've only been through Central California once, so my husband has a group of friends who relocated to the San Francisco Bay Area and they organize a motorcycle trip every other year from there. I sorry, small sidebar, but I think we actually have a lot of motorcycle folks who listen. So um, it was 2016. And we went out and my friend Don, whose husband was also riding a motorcycle, but Don and I rented a car and we drove from San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. And the area that we're talking about today is further south than Sacramento. But we stopped in Sacramento to meet up with another friend and her amazing little bebe for lunch. And holy hell, it's like the surface of the sun. In, like, an old timey boardwalk situation. I'm sure I've told you about this before, but we were there in September, not July. If you've never been to California, and listen, I'm not an expert. I have been thrice and really only to the Bay Area as far south as Big Sur and as far east as Tahoe. I do not know very much about California. I'm not an expert, but I can tell you that when you get away from the coast and into the middle of the state, it is very hot and very rural. And It's even more noticeable because, especially in the Bay Area, everybody really sort of lives right on top of each other. But once you sort of get out of the city, between San Francisco and Tahoe, it's just farmland, farmland, prison, farmland, cattle, farmland. We played What Are They Growing?, but nobody ever won because I suck at it, and I'm still not sure what they were growing. Fun fact, Big Sur, uh,
2: El Chadin lives in Big Sur with his wife.
0: There's some Beach Boys trivia for all of you out there. Yeah, I can't blame him. It is beautiful. The very first time we went out, we just went a few days early because we were out for a friend's wedding. And Paul had been a bunch of times, but I'd never been. And we drove down the Pacific Coast Highway, which is... It's like stunning ocean vistas off to one side. And then the inland side looks like Ireland. It's like these rolling emerald green hills. It's so beautiful. All right, but it's one of these small, close-knit, rural farming communities where our story takes place. In 1976, Chachilla had a population of 4,550 people. I heard it referred to by residents as a cow town that you could travel through in about 30 seconds.
2: It's, sorry, it's one of these villages we here say you you can't blink because then you're going to miss it
0: if you drive through. I think that's exactly the sort of town this was. The name of the school district was Dairyland. Part of the residents in the town were migrant farmers, and so I wonder whether, you know, during the season when crops would be harvested, whether the population might swell somewhat, but still relatively small town. Most of the people living there had farms or ranches or worked on farms or ranches. The main crops, I believe, were cotton and corn, and of course dairy production was also big. And, as I said, there were also migrant worker families living in the area, and that had to be hard work, sweltering heat during the summer months when there's usually little to no rain, the temperature in Chochilla can get higher than one hundred and ten degrees Fahrenheit, so that's forty three Celsius. That's hot.
2: That's uh, hot yeah. Mm. that's
0: uncomfortably hot.
2: Maybe it would get me to overthink my dislike of air conditioning if I would live there. Probably yeah
0: Oh. It would. You couldn't peel me away from the air conditioning. It's a nice town, though. It's middle to low class working people. A lot of the families living there had fled the Dust Bowl during the Depression and gone west. I actually didn't know until I researched this episode that the term – do you know the term Okie? Like, Okie from Finoki was a whole thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It meant a farm worker from Oklahoma, but I didn't know that Okie was a slur. So I just thought it meant someone from Oklahoma, but not in a – derogatory way. Maybe I should have known better. I'm from a state where we refer to ourselves as massholes. So maybe I'm not the best judge on like what's okay and not. But yeah, learn something new every day. In any case, the people who settled Chachilla, they weren't especially wealthy, but they were hardworking and they cared a lot about each other. In the summer, the school district offered a summer school program, so kids would have classes in the morning and an outing in the afternoon, and this was a great program. They'd already extended it once that summer. On Thursday, July 15th, it was the second to last day of summer school. After class, the kids in the program had spent the afternoon at the community pool, and they were having so much fun at the pool that a few had to run for the bus still wearing their bathing suits with their little towels wrapped around them. Not that the bus driver would have left them. His name was Frank Edward Ray Jr. His friends called him Ed. The children on his bus route called him Edward. He was born on February 26th. 1921 he was one of eight children in nearby La Grande, california he graduated from chowchilla high school in 1940 and in the early 1950s after growing crops and raising cows on his farm he became a bus driver for the local school district he had married a lovely woman named odessa and they had two grown sons of their own he farmed and worked for the school system but as his kids grew up And he had retired, he missed being around kids, and he had too much free time. So he took a job as a school bus driver, which I just love. That's nice. Yeah. I also think it's nice to normalize men who enjoy the company of children. Yes. So important. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So the kids are getting on the bus at the end of the day, which was 3.45 p.m., and they're getting ready to head out when 14-year-old Mike, also known as Mikey, which is adorable, Marshall, asks if he can get a ride home, and Ed tells him to go ahead and hop on. So, Mike wasn't usually at the afternoon portion of summer school. His father was in the rodeo, and Mike also had aspirations to be in the rodeo. And so, he generally went to the morning portion of school, which was the classes, and then his mom picked him up and dropped him off, and he was allowed to be home alone until his folks got home from work. And usually, he used this time to practice his own, like, roping and riding skills. But, like many teenagers, the day before, rather than practicing for the rodeo, Mike and a friend of his decided to steal a few beers from the fridge, I guess. And his mother came home and found him a little bit drunk. Uh Uh-uh. So, yeah, he lost his home alone privileges and was told to get the bus home with the kids for the last couple of days of school. Seems like it was a punishment that he accepted. He think he was like... Knew it could have been worse, right? Yeah. But he'd actually never taken the bus before, like, home. So he was really happy to recognize Edward as a neighboring farmer and secure a lift back to his place. You don't get the sense that anything was particularly close to anything else, right? Like, when you live in a community where it's farms and ranches and yeah, things, yeah, it's – yeah. yeah. I can picture it. Yeah. The bus sets off, headed back to Chowchilla. The kids are having a great time. They're singing Love Will Keep Us Together and other chart hits. There's hot, dry summer air blowing in through the windows, and it's drying everybody's damp hair and bathing suits. The kids are passing around a petition that they've put together. They're trying to get summer school extended again. You can just sort of feel the hot vinyl under your thighs. You know, it's, I don't know, I it just takes me right back.
2: I have to say you just painted... A lovely picture. I really, oh, I can good. see it. I love it. Good. It's especially important because we don't have school buses here. Not, not like in the US. Yeah. So this yeah. would have
0: been the big, like you see in movies, the big yellow school bus with the vinyl seats. And yeah, yeah, they still use them. <laughs> So, yeah, Edward had made a couple of stops, and I think three or four kids had gotten off the bus. It was a little after 4 p.m. on a country road in Madeira County when Ed sees that there is a white van with the hood up blocking the road by a stop sign. Or an intersection. So he slows down to go around it, and because it's pre cell phone days, and this is a community where nobody locks their doors and everyone looks out for one another, as he's passing this van, Ed opens the door to the bus and he calls out asking if they need a lift or a tow truck called. But before he can even get the offer to help out, a man wearing a pair of pantyhose over his head and holding a gun gets on board the bus. He orders Ed at gunpoint to go to the back of the bus, and suddenly there's another man there, also with pantyhose obscuring his face, and he's got a sawed-off shotgun. The grown kids recall the men's faces being really obscured, and their eyes just looked like dark holes in their head, which had to have been terrifying creepy Mm. yeah very creepy according to a 1986 article by linda witt for the chicago tribune she explains that when they first boarded the bus there was a lot of confusion saying quote at first the children couldn't comprehend what had happened jeffrey brown then 12 thought it was a joke and jumped up with his hands in the air shouting we didn't do it one of the men had covered his face with a pair of nylon pantyhose and the legs hung down at the side of his head comically. Are you the Easter Bunny? Little five-year-old Monica Artery asked him. End quote.
2: Okay, who else is thinking Nicolas Cage in
0: Raising Arizona right now? Oh, I have seen that, but it's been a while. You did? Yeah, I have seen that. I remember liking it, but it's been at least 20 years. I'm doing a rewatch, I guess.
2: That whole scene that might seem comical and and Monica's question is one of a complete friendly and innocent little, little child, but it's actually heartbreaking. It's these little details, you know, that really like
0: oof. Yeah. I think the Easter bunny thing sort of stuck with a lot of a lot of people, just how little so many 5-year-olds on this bus. Mm. And the kids report that Edward's voice changed and he was really angry sounding and that that sort of scared him because he was using a tone that he just never used with them and they That sort of made them more afraid. And I get, I really get why they thought this tone of voice was angry, but I'm guessing it actually wasn't angry. Okay, sorry. I have another quick sidebar about the angry voice, which I think was really the scary voice. Also, am I stalling before things get real bad? Maybe. So back in 2012, we did Disney with some UK family, and we took my nephew Ben, who was then nine, to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party at Disney World. And so we were were on Space Mountain, and the ride broke down when we were at the very top. And at first, it just stopped, you know, suddenly. And then there was one of these, please stay in the vehicle, your ride will begin momentarily. You know, one of these things that just is on repeat every 15 mm-hmm. seconds. Just a generic announcement like, hey, we know there's a problem. That doesn't
2: make anything better, by the way. No.
0: And we're just sitting in complete darkness. And then more time passes and more time passes. And then the lights come on. And oh, hey, look, we're at the very fucking top of Space Mountain, right before the big first drop. There's a catwalk running to the left of the roller coaster. You can look right down to the warehouse floor, all the way down below you. It's fine. I've got photos I can post for you. But then they make another announcement. And this time it's not automated. And they let us know that there is a problem and they're going to have to evacuate the ride. And I am terrified of heights. I think you also am not a, are not a fan of heights. So I am now literally shaking and terrified. And my nephew, who's behind me, because it's like one person per car, He's nine, and he thinks this is the coolest thing ever, and he is laughing, and he's kind of squirming around like he literally can't wait to get out and onto the catwalk. My fucking head spun around like in The Exorcist, and I just hissed at him, like, don't you dare move. You sit still, or we're going right home. I will give away your candy. We won't go any more parks. Everything will be canceled. And he was <laughs> like, okay, geez, lady, you know. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> and I used to think that tone was when my parents were, like, really angry, but now mm. I know that's the voice of fear. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah.
2: You're right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was absolutely, all I could see was his perfect little body falling off the catwalk. You know what I mean? It's terrifying. It was all fine. We were evacuated. We had to be helped out of the car onto a catwalk and then across the catwalk into this like open elevator, which was all terrifying, but very safe because Disney and my nephew was perfect. He did not jump or run or lean over railings and I didn't have to give away any of his candy. But yeah, Edward is using the very serious voice of an adult who is fucking terrified for the safety of a child. And the kids know something is really wrong, they're just not sure what. Now one of the kidnappers is driving the bus, and one of them is holding a gun pointed at the children, and then there's a third man who's driving the white van that they had pretended was broken down. Before too long, the school bus goes off the road into an area hidden from passing traffic. It's a slough, it's like a dry riverbed, where there's another van waiting.
2: So this sounds all very well planned which I mean the of course because how is kidnapping a school bus full of children ever
0: spontaneous right it I has know. to be planned it is and i think one of the things that makes this case so interesting is that it's both very well planned out and then also shockingly poorly thought out there's a lot to tell so there's another van waiting for them When they end up in this riverbed off the side of the road. Most of the children describe it as green. I think Edward described it as black. Another article I read said it was white. It doesn't really matter, except now there are two vans. And these vans are like panel vans. Do you know what I mean? Like two doors at the back that would open. Yeah. mm -hmm. And then probably a driver and passenger side. They open the back of the van and they back it right up to the school bus and have the kids hop from the bus to the van so no footprints are left. I'm not sure why they bothered with that detail, but... It is what it is. So now they've got both of the vans filled with the 26 children. There are 19 girls and seven boys, plus Edward, making it a total of 27 hostages. Inside the van, there is plywood covering sort of everything. Uh, All the seats are removed. The windows are all painted. No one can see in or out. Edward and the children would now spend over 11 hours driving around in the back of these two vans. Over. 11 hours. And they had already spent their morning, remember, in summer school classes, then all afternoon playing at a pool on a really hot day. The level of exhaustion they must have had just getting onto the school bus to begin with, never mind the vans, must have been pretty intense. There are older kids in the 9- to 12-year-old range, and they're trying to comfort the littler ones. There were a lot of kindergarten-age kids on this bus, lots of 5- and 6-year-olds. And they'd sing songs to them, like Boogie Nights, and If You're Happy and You Know It. But then instead of If You're Happy, they switched it to If You're Sad and You Know It. And they just spent almost 12 hours driving around. Jesus, If You're Sad and You Know It. It's heartbreaking. I know. I know. That song would really kind of haunt them. We'll talk a little bit more about that one later. But I just can't get over how long they were in this, these hot, airless vans. And so I don't know if you remember when I did that road trip video for Patreon, a couple of the entries, you know, we were doing about 11-hour days. But that was 11 hours in a very comfortable, air-conditioned car. With frequent bathroom breaks, food breaks, stretching breaks. Do you know what I mean? And even then, by the time I get out Mm. of that car, we were both ready to just keel over. I cannot imagine how exhausting. No bathroom breaks. And I was just going to say, remember how young some of these children were. So obviously there were accidents, but they didn't get any bathroom breaks. So it doesn't matter how old they were. After 11 hours... It's too long. So, some of them had soiled themselves. I'm guessing the kidnappers took the opportunity to use the bathroom because they did report that there was at least one stop and that there were gas cans with them and they refueled the vans. So, I'm guessing they kind of relieved themselves somewhere when that happened. But apparently, the smell of fuel did not help with the car sickness. So... Apart from soiling themselves, they were vomiting. Everybody was sobbing. And the last thing to remember is just how hot, I told you, this part of California can get. And I'm pretty sure it was like 95 degrees that day. So this is just horrific. Not only are these people trapped in their own filth, but it's dangerously hot and everybody is dehydrated.
2: Horrible. Absolutely horrible.
0: Yep. It's about to get worse, so I think now is a good time for a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, Best Fiends. Best Fiends is the 5-star rated puzzle game that's a perfect companion, and you can download it for free from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can take Best Fiends with you everywhere, collect more of your favorite cute characters while you're waiting in line for, well, anything, because you don't need Wi-Fi to play. With over 100 million downloads, more than 5,000 levels, and new quests all the time, the fun never stops. Every time you play, there's something new to experience. Make the most of your downtime and spend time with your favorite fiends this summer. Download Best Fiends on the Apple App Store and Google Play for free today. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Alright, so, let's go back to our poor hostages most of whom are children so after over 11 hours of driving the vans come to a stop and remember the inside of them is completely boarded up and painted over so nobody has any idea where they are they could even be in another state the first one hauled out of the van is edward the kidnappers ask for each person's name age address phone number and they write this down on a paper bag I've got a photo of it. And then the kidnappers took an item of clothing from each person, pants, a hat, a shirt, as proof of life. They take Ed's shoes and his pants. Ed was then led to a hole in the ground with a wooden ladder leading down into the darkness. He was given a small flashlight and told to get down the ladder. They had guns on him, so he went. This was repeated 26 more times, and as they approached the hole in the ground, they could see a ladder coming up from it but they couldn't tell how deep it was or what was waiting for them down inside it was just this pitch black darkness and one by one the children were told to go down the ladder now when this is happening the children that are in the vans they have no idea what's going on and they believe that the children are being taken out one by one and killed and so they are all completely sobbing in the van they're huddled together And then the van door would open and the kidnapper would reach in, grab one of the kids, yank them out and slam the door again. 14-year-old Mike and a five-year-old girl named Monica, the little girl who thought the man with pantyhose on his face was the Easter Bunny, they were the last two. So there's a 48 Hours episode about this case. And in it, Mike talks about how Monica was so afraid, you know, the little five-year-old that he couldn't bring himself to hand her over to the kidnappers. So he said to her everything would be fine and that he was going to go first, but that he then had to like pry her tiny hands off of him. And he said that for him, that was actually the hardest part of the ordeal.
2: This is, it's sad. It's terrifying. It's, yeah, it makes me kind of angry. It's, oh yeah. yeah.
0: Yep. All yeah. the feels. What can
2: I see? I have a question. So, um, yeah. This is the age range uh, of the children between 14, 15, and 5?
0: Yeah, so Mikey Marshall, Mike Marshall, he is the oldest at 14. Edward is 55, I believe, but Mikey, Mike Marshall, he is 14 years old. There were a couple of 12-year-olds, but most of them are under 10. Lots of 5- and 6-year-olds. I don't know. I can't believe I only heard about this a few weeks ago. I just never heard of it. Okay. So, meanwhile, around the time the kids are getting moved from the bus into those two vans, parents are starting to worry. But they're not seriously worried yet because, again, it's the 1970s. Maybe the bus had run late. Maybe there had been a flat tire, or worst case, they might have broken down somewhere and are just waiting for help. Ed had actually been known to make repairs on the old school bus with. Some frequency. But after a little bit, the parents got worried and started calling each other. That's when they found out that a couple of kids in the first few stops on the very beginning of the route had been dropped off as usual, but the other kids, 26 of them, and of course their driver, are nowhere to be found. And now the parents are starting to get worried. So they call the police, and police and the parents just start driving. They're retracing the usual route of the bus and then any possible alternate route right just because anything could have happened right there could have been a broken down thing so they had to go another way or just Mm. constantly I think they expected to find the bus but there's just nothing as you said there were no cell phones and it was right and there was was normal things happened yeah exactly and at that time the bus did not have a CB radio of any kind but they just found nothing just nothing and it was so startling that for a little while, I think everyone was sort of half convinced that maybe UFOs were involved because how the hell do you explain just a bus vanishing? It just, buses, school buses full of children don't just disappear. No. No, but fortunately, the authorities in this case, they're doing everything right. And they had a pilot searching from the air. And the pilot was able to spot that very yellow school bus just before dark. It was in that riverbed, and it was only about seven miles from Chowchilla. There had been a really dense thicket of bamboo that was sort of blocking it. So from the road, you'd never have seen it. So deputies are at the scene immediately, and... They're devastated to find out that the bus is completely empty, but they could tell from the tire tracks that children had been moved off the bus into at least one other vehicle, and there were tire tracks, no footprints. So Sheriff Bates, he calls the governor and the FBI, letting them know he believed that almost 30 of their residents, 26 of them children, had been kidnapped, and he needed their help. The FBI was on their way immediately.
2: Can you even imagine your kids are not being dropped off by the school bus in time? You think the bus broke down or worse, the worst thing that you can imagine, a horrible accident, right? And then hours pass and you slowly, slowly realize that someone actually took 26 children and a bus driver. Yeah. At that moment,
0: beyond the the possibility of comprehending what's going on. Well, and especially, you know, in the beginning, I mentioned that these were not wealthy people, and there was a reason that I brought that up. You know, socioeconomic status isn't really always germane to a case, but these were not wealthy people. I'm sure the idea, the the very idea of a kidnapping for ransom would have been. Do you know what I mean? It's like
2: yeah, plus twenty twenty seven people. When do you kidnap twenty seven people except for
0: for airplane? Yeah. kidnapping, hijackings. Yep. I think it was the largest kidnapping at that time in history.
2: We talked about the Gladbeck hostage mm-hmm. situation. Yep. But that was different because that was live on TV and and it was not a planned thing to kidnap this right. many people and have them under your control
0: for ransom. Not yeah, no, this was all part of the plan. It's just honestly, it's so shocking. There's so much more to tell. It's just, yeah, hang on to your seat. I-, I
2: think me as a parent, I would have thought... Horrible things as well. Yes. If you hear that 26 children were
0: taken. Yes. So, well, and there's reasons for that too. So, okay. So all the parents had been gathered at the firehouse for news and the sheriff then had to tell all of them that it did appear that their children had in fact been kidnapped. And some of the parents, they had more than one child on that bus. As you were just saying with the kidnapping, in this area, it was especially scary because Patty Hearst's kidnapping had only been two years before. And then the thing I didn't realize was that in October of 1969, the infamous Zodiac Killer had apparently sent a letter to the San Francisco Chronicle. I think it was basically a situation where he wanted more publicity and wanted more attention. Like maybe he wasn't getting the same level of attention that he had wanted, but he threatened to start killing kids in school buses, writing that he could just, quote, shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kiddies as they came bouncing out end quote. And I mean, it was almost seven years earlier that this happened. Yeah. But I mean, if if the Zodiac, who has never
2: been caught, threatens to to go after your children in school buses, I don't think
0: that's anything you would forget in seven years or in 17 years. Thank you. Exactly. Right? It's... Yeah. Yeah. And... In fact, they were so worried about it in that area that this is something schools had run drills on. How to duck and cover if someone was shooting at your bus. Duck and cover if someone is shooting at your bus is something that people in that area apparently practiced because of Zodiac. I only read that in one place, and I can't remember where, so ping us if I got that wrong. But I believe it. It would make sense if you felt felt like it was a legitimate threat, which you you would have at the time. Yeah, So, meanwhile, the absolutely terrified children have gone one by one, 12 feet or 3.65 meters down the wooden ladder into the darkness. But they didn't find themselves in a cave or a cavern as they sort of initially suspected. They had descended into an empty moving truck, just a big, empty box truck.
2: You see, that's that's such... That's one of the things I find so crazy in this case, mind-blowing, because that's a fact I knew knew beforehand, Mm -hmm. that they actually buried a whole moving truck down there. Yeah. We talked about the Ursula Herrmann case, and there it was just a box. I think that must have been, that this, this one must be the fourth or fifth case of, that I know of victims of kidnappings being hidden by burying them somewhere under the ground. Yep. But this is definitely the most
0: bizarre one. Well, it's incredible just the amount of work that went into this one, right? Because they had to go at night and excavate a space large enough to completely bury a moving truck. So the space in the back of the truck, it was 16 feet long and 8 feet wide or 2.4 by 4.9 meters wide, so just your size of as a moving truck. At the very back, there was a table with jugs of water, uh, loaves of bread, a jar of peanut butter, and some Cheerios cereal. Where the wheel wells were in the back of the truck, they had sort of cut away the wheel wells, and then they built a box with a hole in it, sort of what you see in a medieval castle or, you know, um, an outhouse. And that was sort of the crude toilets that they had provided, which was, I guess it was better than nothing, but sort of only just because there was no way to get away from the heat and the smell. Uh, Yeah, that's a lot of people in that space. There were also mattresses all over the floors. So once Ed and all the children were down into the body of the van... The kidnappers threw a roll of toilet paper down at them and told them they would be back. They then put a big, heavy piece of sheet metal over the hole where the ladder was. And then on top of that, they dropped a couple of heavy truck or trailer batteries tractor batteries they were placed on top of that steel plate and then everyone that was inside that van buried in the earth heard the unmistakable sounds of dirt hitting the top of the moving van there were places where they had put wooden beams in to hold up the ceiling from collapse from the weight of the dirt that they were going to be dropping on top of this van and the sides of the truck were bowing in in places they knew that they were being buried alive there was, however, the steady sound of a fan, so at least wherever they were, they had some ventilation. But they didn't know that they were battery-operated fans, and the batteries were running out.
2: Oh, this this really reminds me a lot
0: of Ursula Herrmann. I know. I thought of her so often working on this, so... They actually were famished. They finished the food pretty quickly. And Ed suggested that they all just take advantage of the mattresses and try to get a little bit of sleep. Because at this point, they've been up for well over 24 hours. You know, they are absolutely exhausted and they try to sleep. But the survivors as adults talk about how, you know, it would be quiet for a little while. And then somebody would start crying or call for their mama. And then they'd all start crying. And, you know, I don't know that they got that much sleep. Meanwhile, they weren't the only ones sleeping, because after driving around for 12 hours and burying their hostages alive, our three kidnappers called the police with their demands.
2: Okay, so did they want... Was this uh, a kidnapping for money, I suppose, or was it like a political kidnapping or some terrorist
0: attack? Money. They wanted money. Money. Yep. They were just greedy. They had heard that the state of California had a budget surplus, and they planned to ransom the children in Ray for that $5 million budget surplus. Now... It's funny because there's all these calculators you can do to figure out, you know, what would $5 million be today? What's the horse money? Tell me. I know. You want to find out what the horse – well, this time I've got house money for you because I feel like that's a better gauge, you know, of what purchasing power was. So the medium price – of a home, the average price of a home in the United States at that time was about $44,000. And California had a higher property price at about $48,600. So $5 million, that's horse money. That's serious that's, horse. That's
2: good house money. That's mm-hmm. house money,
0: horse money, carpet money. You could get a lot for that. And they really thought that they would get easily get that surplus money from the state once they called in the ransom. Only problem was... The line was busy. So they called back. But it was still busy. Because parents, wondering where their children were, and the media were completely flooding the lines with calls. Walter Cronkite was on the news talking about the vanished school bus, the FBI were involved, and the president was being personally briefed on the regular. And did the police, uh, or the FBI, did they get any leads? Mm, Not really, not initially. Mm. So the police felt like there might have been inspiration. You see this mentioned a lot. There was a book by Hugh Pentecost from 1969, and it was called The Day the Children Vanished. And this book was apparently available at the Chachilla Library as part of a like an anthology, an Alfred Hitchcock anthology. And in the story, kidnappers hijack a school bus as a diversion. And while the police are out searching for the children, the bad guys rob the local bank. Turns out that was not the inspiration. It was more the movie Dirty Harry that gave our kidnappers the idea. But they can't call in the ransom. And they are so, so tired on account of all the kidnapping. And burying people, that is thirsty work. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's so, ugh, they're so tired. And now they can't get through with their demands. So they just decide to go to sleep for the night. And I think this might be a good place to stop for now. And next week, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story, including the aftermath. That's quite a cliffhanger here (laughs) you're leaving us with. You know what I'm, I'm thinking?
2: We know of many kidnapping cases. Mm-hmm. I personally know a kidnapping victim. I know uh, you the do. husband of a dear friend. Mm-hmm. So we know how horrible this whole ordeal is for the victims, but then also for the families, you know, And now there's this whole school bus full of children, and the driver, 27 people, 27... No, you said some are siblings, but more than 20 families. Oh, yeah. And also, I think one of the things that made so many kidnappings fail is that the criminals didn't know how to ensure that their victims stayed alive for a long period of time. I think that's that sounds stupid now when I say that, but I think that's one of the difficult parts. Yes. As I said, Ursula Hermann or the Lindbergh baby. Yeah. You have to keep a person... Hidden, but well fed, hydrated, healthy enough, but weak enough so that they can't run away. And now you have 27 people you have to control buried in the ground in a moving truck yeah. with a battery driven ventilation system. And if only one tiny thing fails, there are 27 death, 27 dead people, children, most of them.
0: Yep. And the kids do talk about how every time they moved, so for example, when they had to hop from the school bus to the van, and then when they had to get out of the van and go down the ladder and give them a piece of clothing, all of that, they were at gunpoint on either side. So there was no way to make a break for it, because there were the three kidnappers. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah. it's And it's so interesting to me that these kidnappers, they planned so many things way, way, way in advance. But then other things, like the names and ages of everyone, they just wrote that down on, like, a greasy paper bag. Like, no one brought a notebook. But what's... (laughs)
2: Was the paper bag supposed to hold the items of clothing they took? No, they were packing those in suitcases.
0: Yep. Uh This was all. Yeah, we'll get a little bit more into that next week. But this is—it was a very elaborate ransom call that they could not, (laughs) could not get through. But they were going to be—I believe they had planned on putting everybody's clothing in these suitcases and delivering those as the proof of life. Like we're showing you, we have all of your children.
2: I thought they put it in the paperback. That's why it made sense for me when you told me that. But now that... Yeah, no.
0: I think they just... I think it's like a... It's like the back of a McDonald's bag or some shit. Yeah, that's what they had at hand. Yeah. Jesus. This is the thing about these guys. It's like they're... Like, on the one hand, so much of it is done, and we'll talk again more about it, but burying that truck where it was would have taken such a long time, so much, yeah. so much sneaking around at night in quarries, too much, but it's... It's it's like they focused on
2: minor, not minor details, but they focused so much on some details yeah. of that plan, and then other ones, they completely never thought about it, or never occurred to them that that could be important something like that yeah like with the footprints why would you avoid the footprints it's it really doesn't matter at that point you're not hiding the fact that you've
0: kidnapped the kids
2: yeah and you don't hide their identity everybody right. knows who the kids are
0: exactly yeah and one of the things that we'll talk about next week is all three of these kidnappers came from very wealthy families very wealthy families and I wonder if there's this issue of, like, maybe being from a family that's that level of wealthy, maybe other people take care of little details in your life. So maybe you're a Mm. big picture person. You're not great at details. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure they felt so smart. And so privileged. They deserved that money. Mm. I can't wait to tell you the rest of this. It's got a happy, no one dies. Don't worry. It's going to be all right, everyone. Don't panic between now and next week. So do you have something good? Yes, I do. My something good is actually
2: twofold. So first of all, my husband came home on vacation. I just took him to the airport today. Uh, he had been here with us for the last 12 days and it was super short notice because I actually thought he might be able to come home mid-August earliest if we're lucky but on 21st of july he told me that i should try to get him a flight for end of july Yay. because he can take 12 days off and it was so lovely it was so relaxing i loved having him home And um, so glad. he hadn't been here for let me think how long hasn't he been here for i think three and a half months something like that do you remember It's been a while. Yeah. And the last time he was here, he did spend most of the time building our fence, which was very important because of the dogs, you know it. Yes. It's the first thing we did. Yep. Yeah. But this time we barely did anything for the house. We mostly relaxed. We went out to eat for the first time in almost one and a half years. And it was uh, so great. We went for ramen. Was so good. Uh, we had friends over for lunch. I made roasted lemon chicken. The only thing that Philip did for the house, he was digging three holes for some plants for me. I planted honeysuckle and a magnolia. Nice. And he did put the paving stones back in that he had to remove when he did build the fence. How awesome! Yeah. That was all. Yay. And I said my something good is twofold because the second part is you, Annie. Nope. Because I'm so, so, so <laughs> thankful that you did take on all of the workload for the last two weeks, uh, even though it was a oh. really short notice.
0: Thank you. I hope. No, don't be nice to me. I'll cry. It was, I was happy to do it. And I had, I've had this sort of two-parter in the back of my brain for a while. So it worked out, worked out well. I'm so glad though that you guys had a nice relaxing time. That's awesome. My something good is we've had two slightly belated birthdays since the last time we recorded. One was my dad and one was one of our moderators, Misty. So happy belated to both of you. And then we also went to our first concert since COVID. It was the rescheduled Hella Mega Tour at Fenway. Green Day and Weezer both sounded amazing. Fallout Boy couldn't make it because COVID. It only rained a little bit. It's all outdoors. It was at Fenway, so it was it was nice. It was a really, really good night out. It was a little bit surreal. Like it was the first night where it felt like I don't know. It's it's a little bit surreal doing things that like that again now. Do you yeah, know what I, I know mean? What I mean. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was good. And then today, Wednesday, August 11th, when you're listening to this, it is my late mom's it would have been her birthday. So, please raise a glass of whatever you enjoy to Ginny if you should think of it. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. We miss you. So, would you tell them the rest of it? Because I think they're sick of hearing my voice. Oh, I forgot to tell you. (laughs) A friend of ours was telling me how they would like it very much if you would just read anything. It would just your accent. They're a fan.
2: (laughs) I'm going to read uh, the memoirs of Arnold Schwarzenegger to you right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. uh...
1: He should call you for books on tape. (laughs)
2: Uh, if you're interested in our Patreon as we said don't be mad at us we've been slacking a little bit but we're working we're working on it we're working hard on it not yet but next week
0: we will be working hard on it. We have exciting things coming up. You've got a package full of key lime. It's a key lime uh, themed package, in fact. Yay. Coming your way. Plus, You have got to other- do another makeup video. Yeah. Oh, go, dear God. Uh. My sister loves the makeup videos. So funny mm. to me because she doesn't like makeup.
2: So. Go to patreon.com and search for Fresh Hell. We should pop right up. Or go to our webpage, which is freshhellpodcast.com. There you find all the links to Patreon, to Facebook, to our Instagram, to our email, to our merch store. Thank you for all of you who keep supporting us. And I don't mean only on Patreon, like everything. Every episode you listen to is so much support for us. We said it in the beginning. Uh, we already explained to you the podcast award. I think the awards will take place on
0: 30th of September. I don't know. Maybe we can I think so. have some kind of watch party where we lose and then... Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then get <laughs> crying, crying and drinking. You can just watch us <laughs> cry and drink. That'd be great.
2: <laughs> yes, and I think that's it. That's it. Please tell your pets, we said hi, hug them, cuddle them, hold them, treat them. The best way possible, because they deserve it. That's right. Even if they're ugly. <laughs> even
0: if they're ugly. Especially the ugly ones. I really like an ugly pet. I love the ugly dog contest. Do you get that in Austria? It's international, or is it an American thing?
2: I, I think we have,
0: not in Austria, but a European it's ugly dog favorite. contest. It's, it's possible. <laughs> I want every single one of them. With all their missing teeth and their tongues hanging out and patchy fur. Yeah. I feel like that's how I look. Like, that, they look how I feel. <laughs> Jesus, Annie. (laughs) I love them. I love them so
2: much. Uh, Please, (laughs) be kind to your fellow human beings. Give them the benefit of the doubt, if possible. Uh, People are stupid, but they're not all mean. No. Not as individuals, at least.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's it, folks. That's all. And until next week, if you are going through hell, keep going. Tschüss. Bye.